Welcome to another episode of the DOS Game Club podcast. It's uh, episode number 16, I think, Florian. It is. Yeah. And we have been playing uh, Duke Nukem 3D in, in March. So that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, now, we're not going to do that, uh, or I'm not going to do that by myself. Uh, I'm Martijn, Tijn on the forums. And I'm here with uh, Florian. Hey. And also newly joining us is Matthew. Hi, greetings, everybody. Hey, it's it's super cool that you could join us, Matthew. It's uh, it's always nice to have new people on. So, yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Well, thank you. Duke Nukem is uh, uh, one that I I played a long time ago, and I was happy to to revisit it. That's actually actually that's that's uh, exactly the same thing for me. Um, so yeah, let's just dive in, right? Let's uh, let's see where we end up. First things first. Um, who suggested this that we play this game? I think we came up with it ourselves, didn't we, Florian? Yeah, I think it was me who suggested mm. it, but not officially through the forums, but just in chat. And we said, "Hey, what did we play for our first episode, and what should we play for the anniversary?" Right. And then we found, yeah, Duke and Doom. They compare very well, and that maybe we should play one of. One, one another big blockbuster game for our anniversary, and that's what we did. Right, because we started this thing uh, one year ago exactly. So uh, we started in March with with Doom, and now it's March again. So yeah, we we played Duke Nukem, which is uh, well. Uh, uh, so you suggested it, um, but have you also played it before, Florian? Um, not very extensively. I mean, I knew about the game. I had played it a few times on friends' computers back in the day, but mm. I never really uh, dived into it. Mm, right. Both? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, well, I, I suppose it's hard not to know of this game, right? Because it was a super huge deal back then. So even if you, I mean, I'm sure you had a, a pretty good idea of what it was. 
Um, yeah, I mean, as you said, it's it's hard not to know about this game in detail, <laughs> or at least you you know about what it's about and you know about uh, some of its um, special features. Um, yeah. Yeah, just a super big game. But you didn't really play it back then. So uh, you, you you checked it out for the first time now. Indeed. Um, any first impressions? Um, at first, I was really, really impressed with the game. It was super fun to play. And I thought, wow, this might actually... I, I might actually like it better than Doom. What? Um, tweeted about that, which <laughs> uh, produced quite a lot of community backlash. <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, that 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 initial uh, what could you call it? Um, yeah, the euphoria high, yeah, uh, yeah. that 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 went away after a while, and yeah, there was just a few things about the game that I dislike, and they make it hard for me to play the game for uh, extensive periods. Mm, right. Well, we'll dive we'll dive into that later. I'm sure. Sure. Um, so Matthew, yeah. uh, you did play the game a lot. You said right. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I I actually started with the the Duke Nukem one and two, uh, oh, the side-scrolling yeah. platformer right. uh, version. Sort of before this, you know, number three mm-hmm. uh, became the three D. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, played played it extensively, and uh, it, it's funny what you remember. Little bits and pieces as I was playing as well. Uh, absolutely, like stuck with me, and uh, I would I would remember. You know, a, a particular room, or uh, you know, and, and sometimes because of the content. Again, mm. we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, um, but there were certain certain things that definitely stuck it. Yeah, I think especially the the levels are quite memorable. The it's all um, well. If you compare it quickly to to, for example, Doom, then Doom seems very abstract, where it's all these gray rooms where it's not entirely clear what what it is apart from a level in a game but in duke it's all like you're in a cinema or you're in a restaurant or you're in a you, you know with a submarine it's all really realistic locations i think that helps in making it more memorable maybe yeah absolutely a term that uh, I've heard used as uh, sort of comparing these first-person shooters is Doom is very much a, a corridor shooter hmm. where lots of kind of hallways and, and corridors where you're shooting your guys where uh, Duke had uh, and, and has some, some more open-type areas. And, yeah, yeah. You're, you're out on the street, you know, and there's yeah. sto- storefronts. Uh, so, uh, the, yeah, definitely sort of the... the Opening up the very first level, even yeah, uh, sort of you know gave you the impression that hey, you're you're playing something that's that's different. Mm, indeed. So, did you play it right when it was released? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I had the, my, my box and the CD. I'm sure I bought it uh, back then. We would go to computer software shows. Okay. And that was one of the best places to get deals on computer software. And so I would have I would have bought it. Uh, then brought it home, popped it in, and <laughs> so what sort of system uh, did you have back then? Do you remember that? Uh, I'm probably sure. So probably at that time it was like a 486, 33 right system. Um, you know, I remember. I remember my first hard drive was 40 megs, mm-hmm. and DOS, you know, would be almost half of that <laughs> <laughs> at the time. 
Uh, I don't think it was quite then because now we're talking obviously CD-ROMs and such. Yeah. Uh, so it was either that or, you know, my next step up was I had a Pentium system. Right. So uh, it was probably around that time. Yeah. That, uh, so I you just this. played it on the family computer, I, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah me too. It's uh, it's really the same uh, thing. I was, uh, I was 13 years old when this game came out. So... Uh, completely ignoring the uh, adult content warning, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which the game opens with, uh, and and you know, uh, I played uh, when I was younger. I played Wolfenstein, and uh, and I was really into that. And I showed my mom that, like, look, I have this cool new game. Check it out. I'm shooting Nazis, and she was not impressed at all. Uh, <laughs> So this is when I learned not to show games that was I was playing <laughs> to my parents. So uh, yeah, I don't think they they ever saw Duke Nukem or knew that I had it. But yeah, I was playing. I was really into it, uh, which is maybe from a parental uh, perspective not not the best. But you know, uh, and and my friends were into it as well. I remember this was all the craze in high school. You know, everyone was talking about. Uh, it was released in uh, 1996, this game. So that was after Doom, but before Quake, I think. Same same year. Yeah, but this game was released really early into the in in the year. I think it was actually released in January. So yeah, yeah, and then Quake came out in December, I think. Yeah, or something around that. Yeah, so they're really a year apart. Um, yeah, this game was just all the hype. It was everyone was talking about this amazing game and uh so that's yeah and i i was um completely not aware of how inappropriate it might be at times and i just thought it was hilarious so yeah not very uh uh evolved taste uh i was just 13 years old so i don't know um so maybe we should quickly tell in case someone is listening who doesn't know what Duke Nukem 3D actually is or maybe you haven't played it or it was a long time ago uh, so maybe it's good to quickly uh, recap what the game is we've mentioned some things already but uh, um, so since since you picked it Florian what what uh, what is Duke Nukem 3D quickly described as yeah um Am I allowed to use genres to describe it? Uh, um, you're allowed so to it's, do it's anything. A, it's <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> a first-person 3D shooter. Yeah. Um, very much in the in the. Um, it, it's very similar to to Doom in a lot of ways because the the engine is just a tad better than the, than the Doom engine. Mm -hmm. um, you shoot a lot of bad guys. You run around the levels, uh, collecting weapons, health, ammunition, um, and stuff like that, and try to. Save the world, I guess. I don't know. Or uh, yeah. retaliate. Save, I'm not sure what the babes, ultimate goal I think is. is the is the goal. But yeah, the, the, the Duke doesn't save any any babes, uh, quote unquote, right? Mm. Not a single one. No, actually, you kill them. So yeah, I don't yeah, know. That's, yeah, that's yeah. a weird weird definition of saving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this was really the the craze of the first person shooter. You know, uh, Wolfenstein had come out. Doom had come out, and then Duke Nukem was like the next step, like even more impressive, more explosions outside. This is, was a huge thing. And and also, as Matthew mentioned quickly, uh, Duke Nukem was actually an existing franchise 
uh, there were two platformer games released by Apogee before. The same publisher who released Wolfenstein, the shareware guys. Um, and this is the third game. So the, the 3D in the name is is sort of clever because it's a 3D game, but it's also the third game. <laughs> so That was quite a bummer for me, by the way. In Somewhere in the first episode, you find this arcade cabinet and there's a Duke platform game on it and you approach it and you click and then the, 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 the Duke just says... Mm, don't have time to play with myself. <laughs> and I was, I was really, I thought, wait, maybe I can play uh, the original Duke Nukem mm. inside this game. You know, like you can play uh, Manic Mansion in Day of the Tentacle. Yeah. But it just didn't happen. That was very sad. No, well, I think um, they did ship uh, the original platformers with the ori original release of the game, though. I think they were, they were also on the disc. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe you know more about this, Matthew. Uh, I honestly, I don't recall. Mm. Well, I read this somewhere. Yeah, no, I think there was later on a um, a version, like maybe we can talk about the the different versions. Uh, I think there later, were, but one yeah. of the re-release ones, uh, I mm. believe, added the original Duke in. They weren't uh, they weren't meta enough maybe on the initial release to kind of yeah. put those put those pieces together but later on yeah. someone figured it out well there was in the indeed there were definitely there were millions of versions of this game to begin with uh released so many times in different iterations with different stuff added and there's definitely versions that included the original hmm. uh platformers as well so i think i think we should just dive into you know, what the game is all about, because, yeah, that's what we're talking about now anyway. So when we say better than Doom, what, what do we mean better than Doom? Well, when, when I tweeted about uh, the game maybe being better than Doom, it was because the game just starts with so much action, right? Hmm. You, you start the game and you're immediately in there and things start exploding around you and Doom is has a somewhat slower start and doesn't doesn't have this this action movie feel to it hmm. you know yeah so th that's that's what i really liked about the game in the beginning yeah it starts with a quote i think the the movie quote from from they live uh the the chew bubble gum and and hmm. i'm all out of gum that stuff and then it's just it's time to kick ass and chew bubble gum <laughs> and i'm all out of gum yeah that <laughs> whoops Sorry to stop the episode like this, but as I'm sitting here editing the podcast we recorded earlier, I felt I simply had to correct something here. You see, as you might know, it's not actually episode 1 that opens with the aforementioned film quote. That's how episode 3 starts off. Episode 1, however, starts with the Duke saying this. Damn, those alien bastards are gonna pay for shooting up my ride. As he's saying this, you can see a burning object going down in the distance, so this sets up the story a bit of how the Duke wants revenge on all these monsters that are everywhere. So, with this being said, uh, let's pick up where we left off. And then it's just explosions and, and falling down, uh, what, what is it, a ventilator, something, shaft? Yeah, it's some... Yeah, yeah you're on the roof. And then, uh, yeah, you right. fall down the, the shaft into the, onto the street. Right. Really iconic 
opening. So it, it immediately gives you the feel that it's open and it's it's uh, different. You know, it's not do dark and 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 uh, yeah, the corridor stuff that you mentioned before. This is not this is not that. Um, and well, one thing that was discussed on the on the forums. Uh, is that the levels, they're also a bit different in their designs. Um, so this ties into that a bit, I think. Uh, so it's more open and it's more realistic. Things are also happening in the levels. I mean, in, in mm. Doom, the most interesting thing that happens yeah. is a, a door sliding up somewhere. Mm. <laughs> and in in Duke Nukem 3D, uh, the level, there, there are explosions and suddenly the whole level shifts around and the level, level is completely different from what it was before. Right. Like um, the, the earthquake level somewhere in episode one, I think. You're in the canyon and suddenly things happen and that was, that was crazy. Yeah. I agree. I think the uh, manipulation of the, uh, the the level where you think, okay, you know, that's a wall and um, there's no way I can go through. And then all of a sudden, yeah, there's an explosion and not just for show, but it actually breaks the wall so that you, you know, crouch down, jump up uh, and start then, then working through. I think that was pretty eye-opening and new at the time. Yeah. Um, that type of manipulation. Well, and, and even later on, too, there's um, moving platforms. There's, you know, claws that mm. can pick up objects and move them. Mm. There's a moving train uh, that you, you know, can ride on. So th these these types of things were definitely new. Yeah. Uh, and they were they were trying to show them off, I think, yeah. as much as they could. And, and rightly so. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very interactive. It's all, uh, and 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 also I remember there's a a bar, for example, with a pool table, and it's not just a prop. You can actually shoot the balls, and and they yeah. move around stuff like that. So this is all really uh, attention to detail that that wasn't so much in in previous shooters, I think. Yeah, and the mirrors. Right, mirrors being able to look, you know, yeah. you, uh, you can use any any of those objects. Definitely, you know, you go up and use it, and either Duke has a funny, funny line that he's going to give, or you know, you take a drink of water, or uh, yeah, uh, you know, you blow up the toilet, and then it shows the a sprite of the the water uh, flying up. So they definitely, mm. you know, there was definitely an eye for. Uh, in the level design and, and kind of those uh, objects to make the world and the level seem uh, real. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, what was also mentioned on the forums is that, uh, well, I, I don't know if, if, if downside is really the term, but it has some implications uh, that the way the levels are set up because it, it um, when you're playing Doom, it's really fast, and it's it's you. There's a short period where you discover how, the layout of the level, but it's actually, you know, not too complicated. And and you figure out, oh, there's a door, so I have to find a key. And well, that's that's really it. Uh, while in Duke Nukem, it can be a bit more complicated uh, to find your way and to to know, yeah. yeah, just what's what and what what you're supposed to do. Yeah, that, that happened to me a lot. In some of the levels, I had um, killed all the enemies, but I couldn't find the exit of the level until in there's this one um, prison level, I think it is, um, and it took me like 
half an hour until I realized that I had to shoot the poster in one of the cells to continue. <laughs> that was well, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would, uh, I would agree. I think the the one one thing I found um, frustrating then too is there's this uh, there's certain level of of detail they can give the sprites. Mm -hmm. But what I found is particularly for the the switches mm. or the buttons mm. in a few in some of the the scenarios they'll either introduce a new button sprite that you've never been that you've never seen before and yeah. so you don't realize that it's actually a button that you can interact with yeah uh, or it uh, ends up blending into the wall so much that you run by it four times before you realize oh that you know there it is. Right. Uh, there's there's one of the levels in episode two where you're, um, I, it's all some some alien kind of architecture and everything is slimy and so and there, there was something on the wall what I thought was just uh, pure decoration like I don't know some kind of of, of <laughs> alien anus or something like that yeah. and it took me I don't know an hour or so to realize that that was actually the button that opened the door. <laughs> yeah. Well, I said we'll we'll talk about episode two. Um, Because that was, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> things well, to come. You know, speaking I, I, of the episodes, maybe <laughs> maybe you can just uh, talk a little bit about that. Um, so, uh, what's up with them? I mean, uh, the the previous first person shooters like Wolfenstein and Doom, they were split up in episodes as well. I think. Uh, I think they each came with three episodes originally. So this became sort of like the the format of first-person shooters back then, and especially because they were uh, distributed as shareware. So so the model was that they would typically uh, distribute the first episode for free and then ask people to register and they would uh, mail you the rest on a disc or something like that. Um, so so I, actually, Duke Nukem is, is structured in very much uh, the same way, I think. There's the three episodes in the original release with the first one uh, distributed for free as a shareware as well. It's also by the same company that also uh, did Wolfenstein. It's by Apogee. Uh, they they changed their name to 3D Realms confusingly, but it's it's the same company, right? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. So uh, there's there's three episodes in the original game. Yeah, I think episode one, the, the L8 meltdown. So that was very much, you know, in the... In the city, mm -hmm. uh, re more realistic, uh, I would say. Yeah. Uh, in in terms of the the design, and you know, there's buildings and offices and things. Yeah. You know, episode two was the uh, that lunar apocalypse, mm -hmm. uh, where you're up in the space station, um, and and essentially in the alien, lots of alien type uh, uh, level design. Yeah, green green stuff. Green, yeah, green green goop and. <laughs> And nasty stuff. And then uh, episode three, the Shrapnel City. Uh, you know, again, lots of uh, buildings and and offices with desks and buttons, secret buttons underneath. Yeah. You know, after you shoot the chair out of the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's the one with the restaurant, right? The which is like the the fast food restaurant. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. They sort of all all meld together after a while, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so I am a little hesitant. But that sounds right. Yeah. Uh, and then episode four, and that was the the one that was released as an expansion pack afterwards. Right. 
or in in some of the uh, the re-releases. So in the version that I played, um, I think it was the Apocalypse, uh, the the good old games uh, version that that I played mm-hmm. had the level the episode for the birth, mm-hmm. and so that starts off with you're seeing a video of a bunch of aliens around a woman giving birth, and you have to uh, actually I don't even know. Go go and save her. I don't know. Yeah. Go rescue her. Uh, <laughs> uh, try to you know save the world once again. Yeah. Um, now, interesting enough too, there was I, I had no idea until I was uh, looking online. I was actually looking up the titles as a reminder, mm-hmm. and there was actually a fifth episode that was released um, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, so designed by so by a couple of the original level designers, mm-hmm. uh, but this was the version for like Xbox One and PlayStation 4 that was released with this special episode 5. Yeah. I'm not sure. Did either of you have a chance to... Is that a one that you played? You know, I had never even heard of it until I was researching for this episode. Yeah. So, yeah, apparently they did a 20th anniversary version in 2016, uh, indeed, as you say, for all these uh, modern consoles, but also for PC, I think. And they added a whole new episode to that. So, yeah, I don't. Is this is this with the original engine? I can't imagine that. It it must have some updated graphics or something, right? I mean, I'm sure they updated some things when they they ported it over. Yeah, uh, it was for PC as well. Yeah, um, but I mean, it sounded interesting. Again, as same thing you know he, he goes i guess every every level in the episode is in a different city location hmm. so you go to moscow or london or paris and rome oh, um, that's so the world it tour. actually sounded yeah the, yeah so that's the the world tour um and i think that's why they nicknamed the re-release the world tour oh. because of that extra uh episode huh that's pretty cool actually yeah yeah so so which uh which episode would you say was your your favorite? Well, I've definitely played the first one the most um, because when you just want to dive in quickly, that's the one. You, that's just you know when you don't do anything special, you start with the first one, right? Right. Uh, and I also think the first one is is just really good. So I played through that a couple of times, uh, and it's also the one I did now. Um, I mean, I remember back in the day. When I was just a high school kid, I I almost well I either played with cheat codes on, <laughs> or I was playing multiplayer. So those were really the two things that that kept me occupied. So when I was just playing single, uh, just by myself with the cheat codes on, I would just run through the whole level, you know, in God mode and just checking out all mm-hmm. the cool stuff that they. Uh, so yeah, I I really. I really just like the first episode the most, I think. Although I also like the third one, the with the restaurant I mentioned. I remember that distinctly. Um the two the, the episode two with the um, with the aliens, I don't know, it's a bit it's a bit all the same to me. Like you said, it all blurs together, but it's for me it's even more so with the second one. Because it's all yeah, it's all alien stuff and all space stuff. Right. So Yeah. It's not yeah. For me, the second episode also felt a bit unfair, maybe. Um, there's this one place where you're suddenly uh, up against, I don't know, 
30 or 40 of those uh, drones that explode when they get oh. close to you. And I, I just couldn't get past that section. And that's when I decided, okay, maybe I've played enough Duke for a while. <laughs> oh. uh, that's that's never yeah. uh, a, a good sign of a level design, right? If it wants you to walk away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I was on low health when I entered that area, um, like like 15 health points or something like that. And I just couldn't make it through there. Mm. Florian, don't blame yourself. Not, not your fault. No. <laughs> no, I would... I, I'm uh, good at first-person shooters, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> no, see, I, I would... Uh, it's funny, because I completely agree. I think episode one is is great. Uh, you know, I love the, the realistic... They're, they're just realistic enough, the mm -hmm. environments. Mm -hmm. But still, you know, you have that... Uh, you're still allowed to, you know, run around and jump on the angles and pieces. Um, I'd say episode... Three again, yeah, would be like my second. Uh, lots of fun levels with the buildings and the offices. Uh, lots of interesting. I, I think I remember there's a number of times we're going underwater. Yeah, uh, you know, and there's the sharks and stuff. That was a lot of fun. Hmm. Um, yeah, and the weird. What are they? The the brain octopus. Yeah, like what are those? <laughs> I, floating brains, I think. Yeah, uh, with tentacles. Yeah. Also, yeah. Yeah. But they, they also float in the air, right? Not only underwater. Yeah, that's actually really, really yeah. unique, I think. I don't I don't think there's a lot of games with enemies uh, you encounter both underwater and, and outside of the water. Yeah, no, they'll, uh, they'll right. chase you wherever. Now, now that you say it, I can't think of a single one. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird to me that you go, you, you dive in and then, and then you see these weird octopus uh, brain things, but then you jump out of the water thinking that you're safe and then they float up and in the into the air like what you can also um, yeah well there there are some platform games that have that like mm. super mario world where you have fish that can jump out of the water and hurt you there too so mm. true it does exist yeah but the, yeah it's just freaked me out that they could just be <laughs> anywhere you know it's like yeah. yeah well and uh yeah so and then just to, to finish i think again yeah episode two i think was my least favorite you know lots of um yeah lots of as i said just kind of corridors and i i found i made a note here like i was hunting for textures for like elevators or panels to open because i was i was just stuck mm -hmm. so i was just running along the wall yeah like you would in wolfenstein you know uh, 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 <laughs> just like please like something open up or or uh, do something, something. Yeah. yeah so it was just not uh I, I didn't. That was my least favorite. I think. Of, yeah. Of, of I don't. Fourth. I don't remember a lot about the fourth episode. To be honest, uh, I think I've played it back then. But well, I I also remember that after the base game had had come out, you know, the original three episodes, um, there there was a huge uh, a level. Uh, what do you call this? Like custom level? People would make their own levels, you know? Yeah, like through the mods. So if you went out on the internet, you could download all these user-made levels. And I think I had a bunch of those as well. So it's a bit, yeah, it's, I don't, I don't really know which levels are part of the official episodes and which one are just made by people themselves. So this is all a bit of a blur to me now. Uh, and I also think they even released some of the level packs, just, you know, user-generated levels. They they collected a bunch of them and put them yeah. on a disc and sold that as well. So, Well, very much. That was the, the model worked for, for Doom, 
where you would go, you could buy a CD-ROM and, yeah. you know, someone had just scraped every every mod from DBSs that they could, threw it on a CD. Yeah. Um, so they, uh, I think they did, they would do the same thing for, for Duke. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think the game even came with lots of uh, tools to, to make these levels yourself. I remember there was this uh, 3D there was some kind of 3D program where you could like draw lines on a grid and stuff. It was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, they had these really polished tools that you could use. Uh, yeah, so I, th- I think actually a lot of people were 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 uh, into making these levels and uh, well, people that that later became you know game designers and stuff like that. I think a lot of uh, kids started by making juke levels. I think that was a really popular thing to do. I, I remember uh, as well, the, the tools were quite the step up from Doom. Yeah. Uh, as well. I, I remember doing some Doom level mods myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was quite quite complicated because you had to, you really had to be understanding what's happening underneath. Yeah. Um, so, you know, everything is a big square and you give it height and, and but everything's done manually. Yeah. Where um, from from what I remember, the the Duke level editor and design editor was much more uh, intuitive hmm. and uh, user friendly. Yeah, definitely. So I'm, I think that that really helped it as well. Yeah. So let's see. Um, we've talked quite a bit about the levels, but there's also, of course, lots of other stuff like. Uh, weapons and items and enemies and stuff. Um, now, personally, maybe talk a, a bit about the enemies first, because to me, um, I wouldn't say the enemies are bad or anything, but they're maybe the least uh, memorable part of this game, because they seem to be just a bunch of guys trying to shoot you. I mean, there is, uh, for example, the pickup, which is quite iconic uh, and and and... Yeah, that's that's definitely when you think of Duke Nukem, you think of the pig cop, it's, which is literally mm-hmm. a pig in a cop uniform trying to shoot you. I think the enemies have uh, have quite nice design. They're just not very varied in mm-hmm. what they are doing. Yeah, and therefore I think they're not so memorable because they're, they're just yeah. guys running at you and shooting, right? Except for maybe the flying pig cops in their mm-hmm. hovercraft or whatever that is. Um, Except for those and those those octobrain things you mentioned earlier, I think besides that, it's just things running and shooting at you. Yeah, and there's also some turrets. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's all I don't know. It's it's just shoot things shooting at you. That's basically the whole. Yeah, and there's varying degrees of of like big guys and small guys and guys with jetpacks and and. Yeah, but they're all just annoying things that are trying to kill you, and that's it. So Those drones were the most annoying for me, for sure. <laughs> yeah, the ones that Florian, it made him rage quit. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I don't, I don't blame you at all for <laughs> it. It. It, was, it wasn't really a rage quit. It was more like I was sad and oh, had to quit. It was not, sad quit. It was, not like, <laughs> it was not like I was punching my screen off my desk. <laughs> I was just like, mm-hmm. ah, okay, I stopped. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned Florian that even to you the um, the bosses because every episode it ends with a boss, uh, and which are you know normally in in lots of games the bosses they're they're 
they're the big deal, you know. They're a lot of yeah. attention and a lot of yeah. So you really remember the the Hitler guy from Wolfenstein and and yeah, <laughs> indeed. Doom also, but yeah. In 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 Duke Nukem, I thought they were quite generic. Um, mm. If 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 you ask me what the bosses looked like in the game or what they did, I couldn't tell you. But as you mentioned earlier, I can still tell you what the level looked like that you fought them yeah. in, right? So that's yeah. that's that's very strange. Exactly. That's that's what I was. Yeah. The, to me, the 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 game really shines in terms of level design, and and you know just atmosphere and what everything looks like and and what what can happen. But yeah, the guys are just guys. They're just big monsters, and yeah. I don't, I wouldn't I couldn't tell you what the what the bosses are either. Just big monsters, well, and you have to shoot them. Well, it, it's funny because the the boss from the first episode, he ends up being sort of like the a, a mini boss. He would he would show up in the subsequent episodes and levels as well with you know a yeah. little little less power. Yeah, um, so it wasn't like this big monumental event that mm -hmm. only happened once. Yeah, you, know, you end up seeing them a whole bunch more. So I think that that doesn't help in the uh, uh, sort of helping to identify it as this monumental yeah. occasion when yeah. you were fighting them. Definitely, yeah, yeah. This uh, it's it's. Um, I think in in episode one, uh, it's the first time that you encounter him, and you think, oh, this is the this is the boss, and this is a one time thing. But then in yeah. later episodes, he just walks around, and you just yeah, he's just there again. So. Yeah, um, but I think uh, in comparison, the um, the items and and certainly the weapons, they are quite interesting to me at least. In in terms of weapons, I mean it it does have the the you know the usual suspects, the pistol and the shotgun and the and the machine gun and stuff like that, and the RPG, the the missile launcher. But um, there's quite a few really unique. Uh, and, and and interesting uh, weapons as well. Uh, for example, uh, the mighty foot. I th I'm sure everyone remembers that. Just like in Doom, when you run out of ammo, you you can punch people. Well, in Duke, when you run out of ammo, you can kick people. But uh, there's actually a, an extra button you can press, and then you you kick with the other foot. So at the same time. Yeah. So holding <laughs> any weapon, you can also kick at the same time. And then if you actually select uh, the kicking as your weapon, then you can kick with both feet, <laughs> which is, uh, I don't know how that works, actually. <laughs> Duke is one flexible guy. <laughs> yeah, he's just... No, that's, that's a classic, that's a classic uh, wrestling move. Yeah. It? You run up to the enemy, you jump. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, I remember performing this move in front of the mirror, just to see how it works, <laughs> like what? How, yeah. how often did you end up in hospital after that? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I mean in the game. <laughs> ah, I see. <laughs> I thought in real life. <laughs> no, no, no. In the, the the game features these working mirrors, you know, so you can just walk up to yeah. a mirror and see yourself. And I would do these double double kicks to just see how he pulls it off. I frequently use the the kick. Um, I used it as my second attack, like my mm. right right mouse button attack, because I found mm. in the time that I could shoot one of those, uh, um, you know, grunt guys with the shotgun mm -hmm. or uh, with the pistol a few times, but then I could get in a couple of kicks and kill him. 
uh, without using yeah. as much ammo. So it definitely was yeah. something that I util- utilized uh, a lot, even when I was out, when uh, I wasn't out of ammo. Yeah, that's really clever. That's, uh, yeah, approaching it really strategically. So that's the foot, which is, I'm sure, everyone's favorite. But there's also really, uh, there's, uh, yeah, lots of interesting other cool uh, weapons. Um, I'm, I made a list here. There's, uh, well, for example, the, the Devastator, which is a, a double RPG. So it's it's two rockets firing at once. I think this weapon is really mainly uh, for for uh, taking out bosses and, and stuff like that. Um and it it all it, it fires these two rockets. Um, you can't really, you know, choose to to do with this or not. It, you, when you fire, you fire two rockets. So this thing eats ammo. Uh, yeah, at a double rate. But it's really effective against big monsters. Um, and then and then there's the more interesting uh, weapons such as the uh, pipe bomb, which you can uh, throw and then remote uh, detonate it. So you can, yeah. Just throw them down a hallway, and then when a pickup walks over it, you can click the button, and there it goes. So that's really cool. Uh, you can set laser traps, uh, which are these red lines, a bit like you know this Mission Impossible kind of stuff, where you can crouch underneath to avoid them going off. But you can set them yourself as well, and then enemies would walk through them. Did you guys use that weapon a lot in the game? Um, the laser trap? I didn't yeah. at all. Well, I think it's a multiplayer thing, really. Yeah. Uh, because, well, I did, I did use it sometimes, but only when I was, like, low on ammo for other stuff. Right. Um, or when there's a, a big group of enemies walking towards you, then... But it's, yeah, you need kind of a specific uh, scenario in order for it to work. You really need a corridor. Yeah, I, I didn't... Uh, I was asking because I didn't find them uh, very useful and, and sort of mm. looking up online yeah they, they seem to be definitely geared more for the, the multiplayer um, yeah. where you know, everyone's just running around not paying attention uh, exactly. as fast as you can and then oh turn a corner <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah but that yeah. that's what makes the weapon interesting as well that it's uh, has this really specific use and also these 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 weapons made their way back into later first person shooter games right um, the mm. devastator might have inspired the Unreal rocket launcher, where you can load up multiple rockets before firing. Hmm. Yeah. And um, the pipe pipe bomb and laser traps, they are basically the same in Half-Life, aren't they? Hmm. Just in Half-Life, it's a, it's, a, it's a backpack with explosives and another pipe bomb. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that you mention Half-Life, because I remember that game... Um, it, well, it, it really changed the genre forever. Uh, because when we were talking about Doom, we were talking about how it's really this fast-paced arcade game almost. Um, and then Half-Life is completely at the other side of the spectrum, where it's really telling a story, and you have these huge levels that you go through. Uh, well, it almost feels like you're in a film or something. Right, but... Um, uh... Feels a bit like like Duke Nukem 3D uh, was also a step in that direction, isn't it? Yeah, that's just what I was going to say. That Duke Nukem is sort of in the middle. It's it's it has a bit of a foot in both of these worlds. Uh, and yeah, there's definitely the same movie kind of vibe where you're the action hero and everything is exploding around you. But it, yeah, it's not it's not that uh, 
well, it's not a, a, a story well told or something. No. Which Half-Life definitely does. Also, Gordon Freeman is much more relatable. <laughs> Maybe because he doesn't talk. <laughs> yeah, you think? You don't You don't feel like don't, you're the Duke? <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the Duke says things that, that I would never say. <laughs> Uh -huh. Oh, I was when I was researching a bit for this, I came across an article on uh, Rock Paper Shotgun, I think, this uh, gaming website. Mm -hmm. And someone asked, "He's the Duke of what? Actually, actually, you know, he's, he's <laughs> what? What? What is his estate? Is he? <laughs> is he in the House of Lords? Is he?" <laughs> I think he he gave himself that title. Mm, yeah, <laughs> or maybe it's his a, first name. It's just he's called Duke. It's just what his parents named him. Yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and the other weapons I wanted to just uh, mention uh, are the freeze thrower, which is, uh, uh, yeah, you shoot ice and you turn people into ice and then they freeze. And then you can use the foot, actually, to break them apart, which is really cool. Uh, and there's also a shrink gun, which makes uh, enemies really tiny, and you can step on them to squash them. Yeah, it's it's basically the same weapon, isn't it? More or less. Mm. It feels very similar. Yeah, yeah. These these weapons, they have a bit of a weird design, anyway. I mean, they look like I don't know. They don't look like real guns. They look like toy guns or something. But yeah, yeah. well, uh, there's also the uh, the expander. Uh, which was added in the uh, the first the first uh, add-on, the plutonium pack thing or atomic edition. I'm not sure, but there, I think there's the same actually. But the expander gun is the opposite of the shrink gun. It just blows people up, and I think the expander is literally the same gun as the shrink gun. It's just different ammo for for that same gun. Yeah. Uh, well, the freeze thrower I think is a different gun. No, I think I, I agree. And isn't this the the color is just different? Is it not? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the, almost the exact same sprite. It's just a different, uh, different color. Yeah, but anyway, pretty interesting guns, right? I mean, this is, uh, yeah, this is well beyond the standard shotgun, pistol, missile launcher stuff. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. There's also items. I don't know uh, who wants to talk about some of the items. Yeah, I feel like they they just had brainstorming sessions. Hey guys, what what items can we put into the game? And whatever idea was proposed, I think it was also accepted <laughs> because there are so many items in this game. You know, um, we we talked about it a bit earlier um, before the recording. Um, some of these items they they are just like I don't know um, whatever idea they had they they used it and. Uh, as opposed to Doom and, and Quake, that, that feel much much more uh, limited in what you could do. But the items that you could get there, they felt a bit more like they were actually designed mm. for a game. Yeah. Um. yeah. Yeah, there's really a sense of, of tightness in the design of, of Doom and Quake. That there's, They really thought hard about what uh, game design elements you need in order to make it interesting. While the items in Duke, they're just... Well, whatever cool items we can come up with. Well, I did. I yeah. found it interesting how, uh, in contrast to um, Half Life or, or hmm. a, a lot of the, the future uh, shooters, where you, you know they sort of fall back on, look, you're you're in a, a special suit, mm -hmm. and that suit can do anything you need it to. Yeah. Uh, whereas in Duke, 
they said, no, you know, we give you boots to protect you from this yeah. and we'll give you a scuba gear so you can breathe underwater. Yeah. Um, and not just that, but it's actually a limited amount of time, the jetpack as well. Mm. Um, so you had a, a certain amount and a percentage of use, yeah. um, for, for the item. And I don't, I was trying to think of other cases where I see that and it's not, it's not often that you get that. It's either, you know, you use the item or you don't. Right. Uh, I think in a lot of, uh, in, in comparison, but here, no, like you, you can use up your jetpack or you use your scuba gear for a while and then you can top it back up. Yeah. Um, but, but much more specific, uh, use cases for those. And there are extensive underwater levels and then you run out of scuba gear and you're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the, yeah. When you're hunting for those buttons. Yeah. And then, then, then you find the buttons and you cannot align correctly with them because you have to be at the right uh, depth and, and look in oh. exactly the right direction <laughs> to activate them. And ooh, that, that was when I was almost rage quitting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The weirdest item to me uh, that doesn't make any sense uh, in the game world is uh, the Holo Duke. Because yeah. scattered around the world are Holo projectors that project an image of the Duke, right? Mm -hmm. So how did that happen? Well, I was really, I think that was very much a multiplayer yeah, uh, or an item added for multiplayer. Definitely. Uh, because I don't, I don't even think, I, I tried using it a few times and it seemed like the enemies just ignored my hologram <laughs> and would just come after me. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's truly for just tricking people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if it, if it actually works that well in reality, but the idea is really cool. Uh, I, I, I imagine they, they came up with this idea of a multiplayer session and, and some player had the laser traps and the hollow duke and he would think, oh yeah, I would set up a decoy of myself and then put the laser in front. But I'm not sure if it, in reality, if it actually really works like that and you wouldn't just shoot the enemy instead. But the idea is, it's certainly, it's certainly novel. I mean, it's different. So that's... That's something. It's, yeah, that's something. <laughs> I mean, it's original. I mean, yeah. No, no, I, I agree. Yeah, I'm. I think the idea is better than than how it actually works. But still, it's uh, yeah, it's commendable that they tried and and make it different. Yeah. So, yeah, it's cool. Even though I cannot come up with an example for that, but I think uh, I've seen similar things in later games. Hmm. I just I just cannot remember where I saw it, but I'm pretty sure. There are other games that do the same thing. Hmm. Um, okay, so that's really the, the content of the game. Uh, levels, enemies, weapons. Now, what shall we talk about next? We can talk a little bit about uh, who made this game. And, and how it came to be. Maybe that's interesting. Um, we have one, one more point in the, in the section about the game itself. That is the control scheme. Because oh. there are very differing opinions, right? Mm. Some puri yeah. purists say a only keyboard. Mm -hmm. And other people, the uh, second generation yeah. of other uh, people just don't shooter don't players like me. Uh, it all went <laughs> they don't down. care about tradition <laughs> and we just use the mouse. Come on. Yeah. So, so yeah. What, how, how did you guys play the game? So I started out, uh, I was trying to stay pure and do my, uh, and how I, I used to. So I used to play right hand on the arrow keys mm -hmm. and left hand on, you know, control alt space. Yeah. 
Uh, and I just, I, I can't, those, those pathways in my brain have, have, uh, just been broken for too uh. long. So I was, I was struggling a, a lot, uh. uh, trying to aim and, and get things aligned. Mm. So I ended up switching to, uh, using the mouse, um, mm. uh, you know, WSAD for moving and then the mouse. And I actually, I, I turned on uh, mouse aim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I was able to, you know, look, look up and down, mm. uh, um, a bit. And, uh, su- surprisingly that that's actually something we didn't talk about because that wasn't available in, in doom. Mm. Um, you know, they added this, this idea of, uh, this vertical layering. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it surprisingly looks okay when when I was looking up and down. As long as you don't go too far, exactly. If you go too far, then the the math and the angles start uh, start breaking. Yeah. But if you just go a little bit, then uh, it, it worked pretty well. Yeah, you you get used to it. Also, I feel in the first hour of playing or so, I was really it was really putting me off. But then after like going ha- through half of of episode one, I felt it was not so weird anymore. Yeah, I you know. I I never played this game with the mouse because I never did it back then and I wasn't so much into Quake as well so I yeah this whole first generation of first person mouse games really passed me by a bit uh but trying to do the up and down aiming with the keyboard is a total pain I mean yeah you have to use page up and page down yeah which is awkward to begin with and then once you, you 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 press the button and it it starts moving up, but then you release the button and it immediately falls down again. So when you want to keep it at a certain angle, then yeah, I don't know what you have to do. Awkwardly repeat pressing the button and trying to keep it at that. Yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't really work. Uh, so yeah, I'm not sure. But you also don't really need it that often, though. Uh, I mean, the, the game does still have that Doom style aiming thing where where the the verticality doesn't really matter. So, as long as it's sort of in the direction, then yeah. then it will be okay. I th- it was more helpful for me just to be able to to look. Mm. So you know, you're at an edge and uh, or, or at the edge of a uh, building, and and to be able to look down and see because a lot of times they'll put they'll put items there. Yeah. Or uh, or looking up to to see into a window hmm. that might be just out of view if you weren't uh, if you weren't looking up. Yeah, it's it's also a bit weird, or it was weird to me that you had to activate a mouse look every time you started playing. It didn't remember that. It was not a configuration option. It was an in-game hmm. uh, toggle that was always reset to off when you start a new game. Hmm, that's weird. May maybe that's fixed in later versions. Sounds like um. yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not sure in my version. I think in my version it it stayed on. Oh, mm. that's nice. Uh, but I did have to go into the advanced. Someone helped me on the forums actually because I was having a problem setting it up, mm. uh, and I had to go into the advanced mouse controls section yeah. to be able to to set it. This game also has the most uh, complex control setup program that I've ever seen. <laughs> there are so many control options, aren't there? Yeah, uh, you can't yeah. you can't even change the controls from the game. I think you have to launch this separate setup utility, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and so. and it it has no problem letting you bind multiple things to the same key. <laughs> so you can. Uh, I'm not sure if that's you know 
their own little scripting, but, uh, or, you know, work around. But yeah. uh, if you don't look carefully, you, you can definitely, you know, change your control scheme, get back into the game, and then be jumping and turning left at the same time and not realizing <laughs> it. Well, yeah. I think you can actually do quite interesting things with that. You know, you combine really complicated moves onto a single button, and then yeah, you can do yeah. these cool moves and just yeah. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I you know the thing is also um, I played this game originally on the keyboard, so I'm just still sort of used to that. But also I play nowadays on a laptop, um, and I well normally I would just use the touchpad for you know daily use. But playing a first-person shooter with a touchpad—that's really not 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 happening. Yeah. <laughs> no. So I'm actually always happy when a game is full keyboard because then it's no problem. It just works fine on my on my laptop. So yeah, for me it's perfect. But yeah, we never got around to playing multiplayer, sadly. So I do no, wonder. We didn't manage to. <laughs> no, just no time. No, but but um, I do wonder. If it if it would give you an edge using the mouse over someone playing with a keyboard, I think I think maybe it does. Well, it makes it easier to strafe left and right and dodge the enemy yeah. bullets. So I would say it gives you a clear advantage. But without experimentation, we will never know. Yeah. So I probably would have lost, and that's why we will never know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it that way, will we? Yeah. <laughs> So I think it's important that we that we tell a little bit about the history of this game because the, some pretty pretty important people worked on this game, uh, and I think it's important that that they get mentioned, you know, because uh, well, this game is uh, at a at an important point in in PC history. Uh, we talked about Doom previously, which was a huge. Uh, well, it, it, it meant a lot for games on PC. Uh, before then, games were quite static and quite thought of as, you know, these boring PC games with their static screens. And then uh, the, the, the It Software guys and the Apogee guys, they, they really changed that landscape with Commander Keen and, and Wolfenstein and Doom. So this game follows along a bit in that tradition. Um, and it was developed by uh, the Apogee uh, company which renamed to 3D Realms. I think what happened was that Apogee was really happy with with Wolfenstein and with its software, and they wanted to do more of this first-person shooter stuff, uh, and they wanted to develop these games by themselves as well. But uh, the its software guys had made the the Doom engine uh, to to be a successor of the Wolfenstein engine. Uh, but they wouldn't license the Doom engine to Apogee. So this was a bit of a... Yeah, they they couldn't use the Doom engine for their own games, the, the folks at Apogee. So I think they were a bit upset with this. And they... they well, they tried to make their own engine, basically. Or, or at least find people who could help them do this. So this is how they ended up with this guy called... Ken Silverman, he had made a game in 93, I believe, which is called Ken's Labyrinth, which is uh, a first-person game as well, I think, right? I haven't actually played it. Who has played it? I haven't played it, but it's often described as uh, as Ken's version of Wolfenstein. Yeah. Have you played it, Matthew? Yeah, yeah, I, I remember. Um, hmm. 
back in the day, there was a, a few, uh, we'll call them knockoffs, because that, that's exactly what it was. It, it was as if uh, there wasn't many updates at an engine level. A lot of them felt like a, what you would call today like a total conversion. Hmm. Sort of like sounds and graphics and everything were were changed. Right. Um, but uh, the, the gameplay was, yeah, very close to kind of that, that Wolfenstein. Yeah. But anyway, I think the, the, the Apogee folks were really impressed uh, by the work of Ken Silverman in, in making this uh, this 3D game all by himself. Uh, he was only 17 years old at the time, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, that was really cool. And they basically hired him to make their next engine for them. Uh, so over the course of about three years, from 93 to 96... Uh, he developed his own 3D engine, which then Apogee could use for their 3D first-person shooter games. Uh, and this is called the Build Engine. Uh, I think Ken Silverman named it the Build Engine. I don't know why. Uh, I remember reading something about... He has, his, uh, he has a website where he explains how this all this whole history, how it went down. Uh, oh, I remember something about how he wanted uh, a synonym of, you know, something that has to do with construction. Uh, so, you know, you, you're building these levels and stuff. So that has something to do with it, I think. Anyway, he made a really impressive uh, 3D first-person shooter engine. And it had more features than Doom. So I reckon Apogee was really happy with this. Um, what's what's some of the stuff that it does that Doom doesn't? So for for one, it has sloped floors, which even Doom Two still didn't have, if I remember correctly. Right. So that's diagonal lines, exactly, and, and slopes. Yeah. And and very drastically changing level layouts. I think that was something that Doom didn't do either. Mm -hmm. it, you could look up and down in the engine so that you could um, aim at stuff that was about, above you or look into higher places. Um, I think that's the the most important changes from or differences from Doom. Yeah, also the destructible terrain uh, that, that Matthew mentioned before, that, that was really big. And that's not in Doom as well, I think. At least I don't remember it in any of the Doom levels. Yeah, no, the, the very jagged kind of edges that that would make up, you know, after yeah, you threw a pipe bomb at the wall. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that was very, yeah, that that's something that wasn't there. Yeah, um, I'd say there was one. I remember in episode one, you know, I, I made a note. Um, in one place, you're you're in a a corridor mm -hmm. with with yeah. water or goop, and it was rippling. Okay, and and I I still don't know how they did that. <laughs> Like no, knowing what I know now, I'm still not sure how they got this ripple effect ah. as the uh, through through the water to work. But um, that was you know pretty pretty impressive. Yeah. So yeah, super cool engine. Another thing they did, um, they emulated uh, rooms that were above above each other um, by using some smart, clever tricks that, uh, like like teleporting the player to a different place when he entered a section that would actually be below another room which the engine couldn't handle but the level designers cleverly hmm. found ways past that uh, limitation and actually in the in the in the auto map you can still see right. uh, or it still looks like the rooms yeah. are above each other even though in reality they are not 
Ah. But there, there was one limitation um, that um, I think, if I remember that correctly, that it was never possible to see or to look into two rooms um, of different that, that were above each other from a from a um, external viewpoint. So if you hmm. had like like two, I don't know what what should I call them, um, holes in the wall, like yeah. you could not look see both of them if they were above each other. Right, you can see different levels so, at once because they would not be at the same yeah. location actually. You know, in exactly, yeah, right. It would very often be used with uh, like a water. So if you would go underwater into the swimming pool or uh, into uh, you know the the lake, if there was an open area, then mm -hmm. yeah, it would teleport you to a different part of the map. Yeah. If you, if you turned on, yeah, as you said, the auto map or, or clipping to uh, kind of explore around, you can you can see that uh, effect happening. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool, and it and the, the game opens with this as well. With the, um, yeah. the that you, you you start on the roof and then you go down the shaft. I, that's also using this teleporting feature. Yeah. So yeah, really cool stuff. Um, and they made loads of games with this build engine as well. It was it was made for Duke Nukem, I think, I, or at least this was the first game that used it. But they also used it for Blood and for Shadow Warrior, I think. And Redneck Rampage. Uh, there, there are lots of other games using the engine, but yeah. um, I think those are the most most well known games mm. that use it. I don't know if they are all uh, if they were all developed and or published by 3D Realms, but mm. at least it used the same engine. Yeah, exactly. And interesting enough, as I, I was looking up uh, some notes about it, so mm -hmm. as of this year, 3D Realms uh, is going to publish a new game called Iron Maiden Yeah, this fall, and it's using the Duke Nukem 3D engine. Yeah, I read that. That's really yeah. bizarre, but also so, cool. <laughs> yeah, still still alive and kicking. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they're, they'll they'll add some, uh, you know, more uh, modern sort of maybe a few features and such, but uh, I was I was impressed that, yeah, it's still, mm. still out there. Yeah. So... I think uh, you know business-wise, this is really good uh, return on investment for for Apogee here, uh, hiring this seventeen-year-old kid and then <laughs> making games for for twenty-five years <laughs> from his stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good, good on Ken for uh, oh yeah, definitely. You know, having that kind of impact uh, at yeah. that age and and obviously still sticking with it. Yeah. Um, now, uh, if we talk about how the game came to be, um, well, we talked about Ken and the engine, which is a big part of, of this game and what makes the game really cool. I think he also made the tools, by the way, the, the level editor and stuff like that. So, yeah, really helpful in, in getting this game to be as cool as it is. Mm -hmm. um, I looked it up on uh, Moby Games. There's a, there's a credits section there, and it lists about... 12 people. Uh, I read it had a varying uh, team size somewhere between 8 and 12 near more people near the end. Some key people are uh, Greg Paul Malone, Greg Paul Malone II, in fact, uh, who was the he's listed as the director and he worked on some other games as well, uh, Ultima 4 for example, Might and Magic 3. So, yeah, that's pretty uh that's, that, those are some names. Um and the project lead, uh, it's listed as a guy named uh, George Broussard. Um, and he, I think he also worked on, 
Well, I th- I'm not sure if he just was employed by Apogee, but he also worked on Duke Nukem 2 and Biomenace and Ri- Rise of the Triad. And he was also involved with, with games after Duke Nukem, uh, such as Shadow Warrior. And uh, he also worked on Max Payne and uh, the 2006 game Prey. So, yeah, this is really uh, this is really a cool guy that, well... I get the impression that George Broussard really was, uh, well, the guy who made this game possible. Uh, I'm I'm not exactly sure who came up with this game and who, you know, who did what exactly. But I get the, the impression that George was really, yeah, the guy making sure that this game uh, was uh, became a reality. So that's really cool. Um, and he's on Twitter now. And he actually, we asked him... Uh, I don't know what we asked him, but we asked him a question about the difficulty level, I think. And he was kind enough to just answer. And uh, yeah, so that uh, seems like a cool guy. And uh, he also does uh, Ludum Data, which is um, which is a game jam, really big game jam. And uh, people uh, make games by themselves uh, over a weekend, 48-hour uh, competition. So uh, I think he's joined every every one of the last... Uh, well, there's three of these game jams every year, but I think he's he's joined the last I don't know, ten or so. So uh, he seems to be into into that. So, and that's cool because uh, actually Florian and I uh, we also met uh, while we're we're doing Lundara. You can say something now, Florian. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you told me to only say nice things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what? There you go. No, but I mean, <laughs> there, there, yeah. so Let's let's just say there has been some controversy around Ludumdara recently. <laughs> well, it's it doesn't matter. But you know, we met and we did Ludumdara as well. So in a way, we're not we're not that different from George. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, only he has like like a million shipped game titles and we don't. Yeah. But that's other than own... that, we are basically the same. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, what I was, um, uh, what I found interesting while looking at the credits on Moby Games, in, there's just three programmers. What's up with that? Uh, there's Mark uh, Dochterman, Dr. Man, uh, and he worked on other games as well, such as uh, Rise of the Triad and Blood and uh, Medal of Honor. He also worked on and Hexen Two, um, and a guy called Todd Jason Ripogli. Uh He also worked on the first two Duke Nukem games, and then there's Ken Silverman, the the engine guy. So, really, a small core team of uh, of programmers. Ah, oh, but if you have the if you have the engine covered, then mm. there's not so much gameplay programming you would do in this kind of game because actually, or really, it's the same over and over, right? Mm. And I don't I don't know how much you can do with the level editor editor on its own, but I would assume you don't even have to write that much code right. anymore. Right. So it's really a matter of level design uh, that makes the game. So I don't know I don't know what what the build engine actually handles if it's Doing more than just graphics output? I'm not sure. I don't think so. Um, I don't think it does sound. So I'm sure they had a sound programmer as well to make sure that it actually plays all the MIDI and sound effects. Was was there a distinction between uh, programmers versus people that were doing like the like artwork, like sprite or yeah, art? yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, there's some 
there's a whole list of graphics people. Uh, let me look it up quickly. Uh, yeah, there's um, there's graphics artwork, and there's a, a six people listed there. Okay. And there's also uh, 3D modeling, two guys, and uh, level scenario design is three people, and uh, yeah. So there's the team is larger than this. But I just I just I was just scrolling through the list. And I thought, huh, only three programmers. That's uh, yeah, yeah. Mostly for a video game, you expect the list to be longer, but. I suppose it's because uh, Ken Silverman did all the heavy lifting. Um, now, the music is by uh, Lee Jackson, who made the, the super cool theme, uh, Grab Back, it's called. Uh, it's been covered a million times. It's uh, If you go on, on, on YouTube and you look for the Duke Nukem theme or just type in Grab Back cover, you find a million metal covers, MIDI covers, all sorts of stuff. Uh, and also working on the music was uh, Bobby Prince, Robert Prince. Uh, and he's somewhat of a legend, actually. Um, he worked on the music uh, of Wolfenstein, Doom. Uh, he did Biomenace, Blakestone, Rise of the Triad. So he's really... All these classic first-person shooter games, he, he, he did the music for them. So uh, it's really, really a, a cool team they've put together for this. I, I like the music in the game what did, mm. uh, what did you guys think yeah definitely i think it's it's uh it's all midi it's uh yeah it's, it's, it's uh midi notes played back by your uh synthesizer on your s- sound card and and that doesn't always sound that good but in this particular game it sounds amazing yeah it uh, also depends what kind of midi hardware you're using so I thought maybe That's we true. maybe we can compare two of the versions yeah. of the um, title music. Oh sure. So so um, I've prepared two versions. One is uh, how it would sound on your Soundblaster 16 using only the um, OPL FM synthesis chip. Yeah. Um, and then we have one uh, later that what it would sound like on a more advanced um, audio system. Yeah. That's the uh, Sound Blaster version, right? Exactly. Um, that's that's basically the the most simple way you can listen to yeah. um, the soundtrack. And um, I think you you told me that um, you suspect that the composer actually used a um, Roland Sound Canvas eighty eight for composing. Yeah. And if you had that that magic device, <laughs> then it could sound even a bit better. Shall we play it? Yeah. Go ahead.
<laughs> Sounds awesome, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm not. I'm not actually sure how expensive such a sound canvas was back in the day. I don't think many players no. actually had it at home. No, no, no. That, this is really pro audio stuff that was used by uh, composers and and uh, you know keyboard players in in bands stuff like that. Um, yeah. But still, I mean, since it's MIDI. Um, it's just it's just storing the notes and then it plays back using whatever samples or synthesizers you may have. So this allows for really awesome uh, quality if you have cool MIDI hardware. So that's uh, yeah. I think we've discussed that in earlier games that um, hmm. the sound hardware makes a big difference in your audio quality just like graphics hardware can make a big difference today while back then graphics hardware didn't change that much for your game experience yeah apart from you know resolution but yeah yeah, yeah of course but <laughs> yeah super cool um and actually i think this is one of the last games to feature midi music like this because uh the game was released in 96 and by then the cd-rom had really uh yeah, conquered the, the, the gaming world already. Uh, so more and more games were coming out with uh, CD audio quality music instead. Um, I think mostly because this game was released as shareware that they wanted to keep the size down. Uh, so yeah, I think that's the main reason why they went with MIDI music. But it's yeah, it's one of the last ones and, and it's really great. It's... Uh, it's at the, the the top of their craft, these uh, these guys. So uh, yeah, super cool tracks. Um, now speaking of audio, the I mean the music is one part, but the other big part of the audio is of course uh, the voiceover uh, of Duke Nukem, which is playing well almost constantly. He's constantly uh, commenting on what's happening in the game. And this voiceover is provided by uh, a guy named John St. John. Uh, he's a voice actor. And, uh, well, he just does a really cool job, doesn't he? I mean, yeah, this guy really gives Duke the character and the, 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 the attitude and everything. So, uh, in a way, this guy really is Duke Nukem. I can't look at, uh, at the picture of Duke and not hear that voice. You know, like it's just you couldn't you couldn't hear any other voice yeah. coming out of of that uh, that face. True. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's true. It's a it's a very very good fit. So yeah. So, so I've I've heard some of our DOS Game Club members say that the voice acting was one of the reasons why they stopped playing. I won't say who it was, but uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe it's not actually the, the voice acting, but. The stuff that the Duke has to say all the time. Right, yeah, because the performance is really, really well done. But, well, maybe we could talk a little bit about this. Um, because, um, well, you've, you've labeled this section uh, the elephant in the room. Yeah. And, well, that's really the thing. I mean, this game, it was released in the mid-90s, uh, which was not a time of... Um, well, you know, good taste was not really a thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, just, you know, massive explosions, massive uh, masculinity. And, and yeah, it's, 
it it uh, there are a lot of other games uh, coming out at this time. Like GTA, for example, which we talked about, and Carmageddon, and and there's a little bit of this in in Command and Conquer as well. It's all, it's got this uh, '90s almost parody style uh, where it's it's basically '80s action movie stuff, but it's way over the top, and it's really making fun of it. Really, so I think this whole game is meant to be sort of a comedy it's uh it's meant to be a really yeah you just have to laugh at everything that's happening but at the same time it's uh sometimes well it's definitely immature and it's also it can be offensive can't it so yeah i think there are many offensive things that the duke does and says but uh yeah I, I think without all of these parts you know um the the sexism that that's that's very clearly in the game and um some of the very foul language that the duke uses i think without these things the game would actually hold up much better today hmm right what do you think matthew yeah, yeah no i mean definitely uh well i'd say uh, you know the younger me playing it uh, obviously i remembered you know there's the strip club yeah uh, that you go into a couple of times. Um, but I have to say, like I was in episode, I think it's the first episode where you go into, uh, you know, it's essentially like a porn booth mm-hmm. and there's like a little animated part of a movie playing that, that actually, I was surprised. Yeah. Uh, the, the, you know, me playing it now, I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't, I didn't even, I didn't remember that. Yeah. And that to me is almost more over the top than, you know, the, the strippers. Hmm. Um, I, I mean, I know they did change for the, uh, you know, the, there's between the strippers and then the, the, the women that you quote unquote save, <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> by, by killing them. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that in particular, I think it was for the Nintendo 64 version. They yeah. made them change that. Yeah. So they're, they're covered up a little more and I think they, they can't be killed yeah um i think there was something saying like oh you you save them if you if you interact with the yeah with the object and it would just Um, disappear i think yeah yeah instead of kind of killing them so i i can i can see why uh people would you know would have been upset um at the time or or even today uh i think people are much more conscious of of that sort of, of thing nowadays yeah um it but was a, yeah. it, it was like I have to say it was done in in parody. Mm, now whether they were kind of you know either you can argue that they went too far or that they didn't successfully parody it enough. Yeah, uh, because maybe it wasn't clear to everyone. I don't, I don't know. You know, I can see I can see that argument as well. Yeah, it's always a bit difficult with a parody when you're. Well, when you're trying to make fun of something by doing that exact thing, then aren't you just doing that exact thing that you, yeah, it's always a bit difficult. Yeah. It's just, you know, I think a lot of the things are pretty good. Uh, Some of the humor is still pretty funny. Uh, Like uh, Florian wrote down, uh, there's the arcade cabinet. And then he says, uh, I don't have time to play with myself. Uh, (laughs) That's still, yeah, you get a chuckle out of that. Um, that was very, that was very good. If uh, if John St. John isn't going to uh, 
you doing the voice anymore. You should uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> send in your resume. I, I thought, hey, did, did, are you playing <laughs> yeah. samples now too? Jeez. No. <laughs> well, <yeah>. okay. <laughs> Uh, a second career is suddenly dawning for me. There you go. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, it's, you know, just the fact that every single woman in this game is either a stripper or she is uh, caught up in some alien slime and she can't escape and she's whispering, please kill me. Eh, this is just so, eh. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's, a, it's a reference. Um, yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, pop culture reference, but it's still... Of course. I find it a bit uh, difficult, <laughs> at least. Yeah. It's full with... with uh, it's it's absolutely full of uh, these pop culture references. And, and it's clearly all meant as a parody. And it's all meant to be just... And also, I think we should mention uh, that there's actually uh, an option in the menu where you can turn all this stuff off. Uh there's an adult content filter, something like that. Yeah, it's called the parental lock. Mm, right. But uh, it's it's not very fine-grained. You can either disable all adult content, including the violence, or nothing. So Yeah, okay. But still, I mean, it's, it's still kind of... Um, well, a lot of games coming out in the 90s didn't have this. That's true. So the, the fact that they did put it in, that's, that's something. I guess that was good for sales. Yeah, that's the sad thing, you know, because this game doesn't really need all this. Well, this it's just an awesome game. It really is 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 great and it would have sold uh just as well without yeah, without having mm-hmm. to uh yeah, just the sexism and and stuff like that. You just don't need it. It's just a bit of a a bit sad that they had to put that in while yeah, there was no reason. So, so um funny thing is um on the on the box I have it right here um there's a small badge from the RSAC the Recreational Software Advisory Council and it says nudity sex uh, huh. 1 out of 4 ah. <laughs> and foul language 1 out of 4 huh. only violence 4 out of 4 okay i wonder what all the <laughs> so. the, the the 2 and 3 and 4 out of 4 games are then well, well does duke ever actually use an expletive and, and swear? Hmm. Um, well, he, he uses words like, like shit uh, yeah. a lot. Like, uh, this I'll rip your head off and shit down oh. your neck. Oh. So that's... That's, that's right. Um, but <laughs> language level so one... that's out of, one out of four. That's one out of four. It's a mild <laughs> yeah. expertise. I, I, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I can think of for the, the nudity sex is because it's either cartoon. Yeah. Like, quote-unquote cartoon. It's not, like, full-motion video or anything. Hmm. And I can see other, uh, you know, other games where they started getting into full-motion video, um, uh, sort of extending that. Or or they just, they've taken this from, you know, movies and other media scale because they weren't sure what to scale it on. Hmm. Yeah. Because uh, there wasn't a lot of things to compare to. So I'm wondering if they were just trying, they were still trying to figure it out. Definitely, yeah. This was relatively early days for uh, games becoming mainstream. I mean, games had been around for, for a long time by 96, but it was still not too common to have, uh, for example, uh, um, a commercial for a game on TV, stuff like that. So it was still relatively underground and it was still, I think, regarded as just a plaything for kids and not something to be of any 
real substance. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit in the Twilight Zone where games were definitely exploding, but it wasn't really, yeah, not a lot of stuff was established by this time, I think. Right. So, yeah. Um, anything else to say about this stuff? Um, I guess there are people who would have to say, uh, who would be able to say a lot about it, but... Um... Yeah, well... Uh, it's it's just you know I think the game really really is great so I don't want to uh, drag it down by just yeah I mean I, we... I would say the only thing I'd say is I know um, I mean we you know we can t Duke Nukem Forever could be a probably a podcast episode on its own <laughs> oh definitely uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean I know from uh, from Pisa I think they tried to keep the same level of parody and you know almost almost sexism hmm. uh for that and it doesn't seem to be successful yeah so uh, i think people have kind of moved moved past hmm. thankfully yeah uh, both in the design and people playing the games uh, as well yeah yeah it's interesting you mentioned uh, duke nukem forever maybe it's it's uh, i mean this story is is probably quite well known and definitely something you could easily dedicate an entire podcast on, but uh, maybe it's interesting to quickly recap uh, what happened for people who might not know, um, because this game was obviously a big hit, and and they, uh, you know, they released all these expansions and all these uh, uh, for, uh, ports to all sorts of uh, platforms. So obviously, they wanted to develop a sequel and just to keep keep the Duke train rolling, you know, and just. Yeah, make this into a huge franchise. Um, but they, yeah, they didn't manage to do this because the the Duke Nukem Forever sequel, the, the the sequel was named Duke Nukem Forever. That was supposed to be the next game, and and it it just became a giant mess. Uh, they started over twice at least, uh, switched engines. Um, I remember seeing uh, a video when it was uh, running on the Quake 2 engine. Yeah. I think that was released for, for E3 in, I don't know, 98 or something like that. Uh, and it looked pretty promising, but then, yeah, just nothing was released and it became sort of a running joke. Uh, and it got um, the, the, the Vaporware Awards a few years in a row where there was this, this, this mock award which would be given to software that was announced but never released. And, uh, well, yeah, I don't know how, for how long they kept it in development, but... Yeah, didn't they? And they got rid of the entire team, like... Yeah. 2000, you know, the end of uh, was it 2008 or nine. Yeah. Or something. They, they 3D Realms, like, <laughs> they almost started over a third time. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what happened. I think they just... At one point, it was not, um, yeah, it was clear this was not going anywhere. And they handed it over to another studio. And, well, something got released, but I'm not sure how much of this is actually uh, the work they put in before. I'm, I, yeah, I get the impression they just started over with nothing and quickly made something so they could push it out the door and get it over with. Yeah. I, have, have either of you played played it? I have not. Um, I have seen some videos. I've read some reviews, and I decided oh. to not play this game because it just seems 
a giant mess and not very enjoyable. So yeah, same for me basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's funny from the videos that I saw, it looks like, um, it, and I, I think a lot of what was released was a part of the original design. Cause you can see a lot like I could hmm. see a lot of the, um, they wanted to amp up that interactive piece. So I said like Duke's in the kitchen, hmm. you know, in this building and he, he takes some microwave popcorn. He can like use the microwave and then do it. Like it's all this interactive, yeah. which was gimmicky stuff and which was great in the nineties when it first came out. Yeah. But first person shooters between, you know, half life and, and we talked about prey and stuff like so many yeah. more advancements have been made that um yeah and they just didn't seem to to uh you know move the the same speed and they're still stuck in stuck in the 90s kind of design yeah so it's a shame definitely yeah and does it does it ever work to develop a game for for 10 plus years <laughs> and then i mean yeah. does that ever result in anything that's any good yeah I no know. i i think i mean there's uh, I also had read that. I think the idea was is release Duke Nukem forever because then with the Duke Nukem license, they could do other things. Mm. But that doesn't seem to even have yeah. you know, turned into a, a franchise where that they're doing anything with. So No, I think they did release another uh, Duke platformer. Uh, and I even think that's that's uh, I haven't played that one either. But I, I well, what I got from the reviews is that actually that's a, a pretty decent game. The, oh man, uh, Manhattan something. Yeah. Manhattan. Yeah, I, um, I played that. I think that's older still. Though. Well, it I think it was released sort of in between uh, Duke Nukem 3D and 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 Forever just to yeah yeah. Uh, yeah, just to remind people that Duke Nukem exists and that this is a thing they should be hyped about. Uh, but yeah, here two thousand two. Yeah, the Manhattan Project. Yeah, right. I th I think it's half a decent game actually, but yeah, they just they just failed to to really bad. make anything out of this because they had a huge thing going, and this game in ninety six it was the the biggest deal ever. So yeah, they they, they screwed it up a bit. I, I think, and uh, and that's really the end of it too. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, forever did come out, but I don't think there's. Well, and they made this this they re-released re 3D as well, as we mentioned, uh, with the 20 anniversary version stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know if a lot of new Duke stuff is coming. No, I, yeah, so. it it'll be a surprise to everyone. I think <laughs> yeah. if, uh, when when or if it does. Mm, definitely. Um, now, I said this game was a huge deal back then when it came out, um, and this is certainly reflected in the uh, contemporary reviews. Um, I think you looked some of them up, Florian. Yeah, I, I did a lazy job and looked them up on Moby Games. Um, <laughs> there, are, there are tons of 100% reviews. Uh, you know, in Moby Games, they um, normalize all the reviews to a percentage. Mm -hmm. And like half of them were 100%. Wow. And it was, mo it was interestingly, uh, more often compared to Quake than to Doom, actually. Hmm. So um, one review I remember said, um, we don't know yet which game will be the hottest game of the year, Duke or Quake, uh, mm. but we bet it will be Duke. So, yeah. Yeah. 
And the, the worst results that I could find at all were like in the 80% range Wow! from a German magazine. And they said it's one of the most tasteless games they have ever reviewed, but they still gave it 80%. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's... Well, you, you, it, it really is a great game. I mean, on a technical level and, and just the, the impression that it makes, apart from what we talked about, the controversy. But, you know, just there's a lot of stuff there that's really enjoyable. So... I mean, 100% is maybe a bit insane, but yeah, that was the height of the first person. We, we're not sure, actually. It could be five out of five stars, and Moby Games normalized that to 100%. So Yeah, 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 sure. But but still, I mean, this this is clearly a great game. Um, and I do remember that it was indeed pitted against Quake, because at that point, Doom was also, yeah, it was a bit old news, you know? Um, yeah, it was three years old by that time. Yeah. So Quake was the hot thing, and that was, a for, of course, the, the, the real evolution with the 3D models and everything. But, yeah, it was also really early days for the 3D accelerator cards and stuff like that. So I think at the time, uh, still sticking to, to high-resolution sprites, well, it, maybe it looked better to, to some people. Uh, because the detail just wasn't there yet for the true 3D games. I'd say the Quake release was typical, you know, what some would say ID software, right? They they released a great engine. Yeah. Uh and it has a you know, a a good game yeah. attached to it. Whereas Duke Nukem was a great game <laughs> with uh yeah. you know, a good a good engine. Yeah. So I think that's fair to say. Uh I think between the, the col you know, the colors and everything's kind of bright and yeah. stuff's always happening. I, I I can totally see that. Yeah, yeah. I've I've heard a lot of people um, complain about the brownish colors in Doom and Quake all the time, mm. and it, it kind of yeah. makes sense. And uh, don't forget that the Duke himself was not impressed uh, with Quake at all. <laughs> <laughs> there's or, or with Doom. Uh, there's this one Easter egg where you can find uh, the dead Doom guy, yeah. and then the Duke says, "This is one doomed space marine." Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and there's also uh there's also an earthquake uh in one of the levels i think it's in episode three if i remember correctly there's an no it's i think it's actually episode one. Oh, really where because i didn't play episode three but i know about the earthquake yeah and then it... or maybe there's a second earthquake i don't know <laughs> mm, i don't know either but i know that he says i ain't afraid of no quake so <laughs> you know that's uh so yeah, this was uh, all the magazines were raving about this game, and uh, well, also I think the fact that it was released before Quake really helped, yeah. because this is something people could actually play in '96, while right. they had to wait for Quake to come out eventually. So clearly, for '96, this game is just the game. Right, um, we've covered quite a lot of ground, I think. Yeah. Just, just lastly, actually, I wanted to ask: Did you guys? try any mods out or any changes i didn't um not at this time uh i remember that uh at the time in the 90s um there was a huge online scene uh and actually 3d realms would put stuff on their own site um i remember that the the first expansion the the plutonium pack uh, it was actually released for free on their own website, and you could just download it, which was super novel for '96. Uh, and yeah, you could download all these levels online, and were 
huge sites dedicated to just this stuff. So so back in the day, I, I was really into all these yeah. these custom levels and stuff. But uh, for for this month, I didn't. I I only checked out the you know the base game. I was able to uh, get there was a a high resolution pack and kind of an eduke hmm. 3D. Oh, so yeah. they they make some modifications to the engine. So. Um, in comparison, so the original game is about 60 megabytes for the full version in size. Mm-hmm. So the high-resolution pack and, yeah. and this engine is 2.08 uh, gigs. What? So that's about 30-something times the size. Um, wow. And the textures are, are huge. So uh, I, I ran it, and uh, mm-hmm. it makes everything look, you know, obviously nicer. Uh-huh. But uh, the, the game, yeah, but the gameplay is still... Kind of ex- exactly the same, huh? Um, but that was uh, that was kind of neat to to see it in in sort of uh, it's you know it's the Duke you remember, but not the Duke you remember. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, being just different enough, uh, and then I see there's lots of total conversions. So I saw um, links. I wasn't able to try them, but there's like a Starship Troopers uh, one, a Predator one, mm. and the Duke Duke Forces. Which okay. essentially changes everything very close to the um, like Dark Forces yeah. gameplay. So you have a lightsaber <laughs> and rifles. There was a video online where you shoot the rifle and it actually ricochets off the mirror. Oh, ba- in wow. in the the bathroom. Yeah. So so some neat uh, changes that they they uh, they made, but the there's still still a bit of a scene there hmm. uh, in terms of the uh, the mods. Yeah, that's cool. That's probably because the tools were so good. So yeah. people just easily got into this scene and then maybe never left. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. So, um, Florian. Yes? What's better? Uh, <laughs> Doom? Or or Duke? Or Quake? Well, let's say... Um... There has been controversy about. Um, I thought for a while that Duke would be much better, but I kind of changed my mind. And that's not because of community backlash. No, no. Huh. Um, no, uh, actually, I think Doom holds up just a bit better. Hmm. You know, it, it has it has less of the problematic stuff uh, that we talked about, and the level design is much clearer, so it's just a straightforward action game. Hmm. And in, in Duke, there are those those sections where you get stuck and you don't know how to proceed and... Yeah, that 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 kind of ruined it a bit for me. I mean, it's still a great game, but uh, Doom is just a bit better. Yeah, more flow to it, and Indeed. and this is not a, an opinion that. Um, well, I think that the internet in general kind of agrees, right? Uh, and certainly, um, didn't we get a, a voicemail message also? Indeed, um, we we started requesting voice messages from our listeners, and one person that uh, most of our listeners probably are familiar with responded and sent us this message. Uh, yes, hi, this is Dollar uh, One. I'm just uh, calling in to say, "Do me so much better." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, those game club member uh, Otvar, also known as Dollar One. Uh, he's been uh, on on the show before. Uh, but yeah, I think I think actually what he's I mean it's clearly just uh, joking here. But uh, I think in general this is also the consensus that you know Doom is this tight package that you 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 dive into and it just flows. And and 
Well, certainly Duke is more impressive in certain aspects, but it's also a bit too puzzly sometimes where it just becomes a little bit complicated and then you get stuck and then it's maybe a little bit frustrating and then, yeah, it's all, I don't know. So it's definitely a cool game, but yeah. What do you think, Matthew? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm torn, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I said there's... There's something I think I agree uh, uh, sort of completely with Florian. Where Duke definitely uh, would, uh, I get stuck in mm. in places. Yeah, uh, and you know because I didn't open up some little tiny panel to get a key card. Mm-hmm. Um, so while I appreciate kind of the design and the advancements, I, I would have to say you know yeah, D- Doom uh, for me like there's a reason why Doom is ported to printers and cars and microwaves and everything, <laughs> you know, everything it can is just, there's, there's something about it that, yeah. that, uh, uh, is just, you know, pure, as you say, you jump in action, I can play one level, I can play 20, uh, and just, uh, have a good time. So, yeah. um, so the, yeah, for me, it's doom Duke and then quake from, you know, I appreciate it from a technology standpoint. Definitely. Mm. Mm. Uh, I think if if we were talking Quake Two, this would probably be a different story. But mm. for the first Quake, uh, yeah, I would put it uh, third. And and also clearly, I mean, what Quake um, introduced in terms of technology, like you mentioned, um, it's also well, you know, this is the way of the future. It paved the way for basically every other game that came out since. Uh, while Duke was, well, I wouldn't say stuck in the past, but it was just, you know, still using the sprite stuff. And even though there were some innovations in the engine, uh, it wasn't really as, uh, it wasn't a technical step forward like Quake was. So, I mean, you got to respect Quake for just, paving the way like that, I think. Uh, even though the game itself might might not be as enjoyable. Yeah, no, absolutely. Duke, Duke definitely put polish on yeah. everything that, you know, at the time yeah. um, was was out there. And even against Quake, you know, obviously the, the critics agreed too that from mm-hmm. a, a fun standpoint and, yeah. and from gameplay, Duke was still, you know, more fun to play. Yeah. Um, so, um, is there is there something left to say? Uh... Matthew just mentioned how Doom was ported to like a million different devices, but um, uh-huh. the Duke was ported <laughs> to quite a lot of, of things too, wasn't it? Um, there were ports yeah, for, for Sega Saturn, PlayStation, N64. Uh, apparently, there's even a Genesis release. I didn't know about that one. Yep. Um, uh, and then you all just I think just episode two. Weirdly, it's strange. So just the space, yeah, and, just the space. And then there are then there, there have been lots and lots of re-releases on modern platforms like uh, Xbox, PlayStation, and so on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, Lazy Game Reviews just had a video about some strange handheld device uh, yeah. two weeks ago, uh, where there was a special version of Duke Nukem 3D running. Yeah. So it's 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 not that that only Doom was ported to no uh, I don't know to our. Um, your watches or whatever <laughs> <laughs> no no there's a million releases of duke uh definitely 
and and also for for iPhone or for the Nokia N nine hundred. I read about some weird um, device called Game.com. Uh, apparently, it was a handheld released only in in the US, uh, and it had a black and white screen. and And for some reason, they decided to put Duke Nukem on this, but then they ran into some kind of issue with the controls. I think so. There's only strafing and no turning. So <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh yeah. my gosh! But yeah, so no, definitely ported to a million platforms, Duke Nukem, and uh, and also yeah. Tons of releases. Uh, there was the the uh, the plutonium pack, atomic edition. Uh, I think I think these are somewhat the same, but the the one is just an upgrade, and the other one is a complete version which includes everything. Um, and then there's the modern versions we talked about, the one that's on GOG.com and on Steam. Uh, there's the Megaton edition, the Kiloton edition, the 20th anniversary world tour, which we talked about. So. Yeah, it's it's still going strong somewhat, but it's also, yeah, Doom is you know Doom is running on I don't know satellites. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, does it run Doom? Is is definitely a thing that that engineers are are going for, and Duke is well, Duke is something else. Um. So yeah, uh, did we? Is is there anything left to say about Duke Nukem? Was it like you expected, like you remembered it? It it was pretty much like I expected it to be. I didn't. I mean, I I had heard about um, the, the sexism and the maybe not so um, the humor that's maybe not so well aged. But when you know about that, then the game is pretty much the way you expect it. Hmm. Yeah, I. I'd say for for me it, it was uh, I was actually I was surprised at how uh, disappointed I was in that second episode, hmm. uh, and I'd, I'm not sure if just the I had wiped it from my my mind. Yeah, uh, you know, through it's really that that first episode and and being in that city in the movie theater and yeah the bookstore and stuff really just stands out so strongly. Hmm. Um, but uh, but I mean other than that yeah I had a, a you know a great time revisiting it and uh... yeah I think they they put in a lot of effort into that first episode uh, because this was also the shareware version so this the you know the purpose of this first episode was really to to uh, to sell the game and to to make people buy the rest so it had to be super super impressive and uh, and and fun. So I think that's why the first episode is just. But just just imagine you play the shareware version, you play through the first episode, and you think, "Wow, now I have to spend I don't know how much money on the remaining episodes." And then you start playing episode two, and you're like, "Why did I spend my money?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's not uh-huh. not not nice. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, but then you bought it, so who cares? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so would you recommend it now? I mean, it's still on on Steam, right? And and even eBay has some uh, some okay prices, I think. Yeah, um, I would say if you're through with Doom and maybe Doom Two and you need a new game, then go for Duke. Okay. If 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 you have to decide between between those two games, then I would definitely say go for Doom first. Hmm. Right. What do you think, Matthew? Yeah, I I think so. I I'd say recently there's this resurgence in these 
first-person shooter, these classic, quote-unquote, first-person shooters hmm. um, that are coming out through you know, the green light and early access and stuff. And, and I'd say Duke, yeah. Duke holds up next to them. I said it, I had a had a good time, hmm. you know, with it. So yeah, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so maybe just go for for Iron Maiden, which is the new uh, build game. But you know, if you want to see where it ca- where it came from, then then yeah, definitely uh, definitely check Duke out. And it's still, I mean, it's still super cool. All the explosions and stuff. And uh, yeah, um. Right, I think I think that's it for for Duke Nukem and for our uh, yeah. Maybe you should say a few words about how you can get the game. Actually, um, you already said that eBay has okayish prices, and that's true. Yeah. I bought mine for like forty euros, a big box. Okay. And, oh, you have um, a big box version. Yeah, yeah, I got it now. Um, cool. The box itself is, is is a bit strange. It's it's huge. Um, it's it has a normal broth of a, of a big box release, but it's at least two centimeters or like an inch higher and and wider huh. or deeper i don't know what you call it huh. um so it, it, it stands it's out super the, manly yeah it, it stands out on the shelf very much <laughs> but it's also a very beautiful box like it has this this relief uh, print on the front where the the duke with his gun stands there and uh, the alien is there and it's huh. it looks very very nice so if you're a collector i can recommend but be prepared that it will not fit very well on your shelf mm, right and um it's also on Steam. You can get the 20th anniversary edition for around 20 euros. And strangely, it's not on GOG. Um, I think it is. Well, maybe not. Um, I searched it and I didn't find it. Huh. Yeah, the, it had been taken off, I believe. Oh. It was at one point because that's that's I had bought it yeah. through Geo a while ago. Yeah. But I think um, something happened with licensing. And so now it's on Steam, but not on uh, GOG anymore. Ah, Okay. Well, that's that's interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, that's that's then uh, Duke Nukem and our March uh, game over with. Uh, now, of course, by now it's already uh, April. We're uh, recording this about mid-April now, so we're actually in the middle of playing uh, Starflight, which is our April game. Uh, it has been suggested by DOS Game Club member Corgi Butts, uh, who has also uh, joined the forums and 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 talk about his experiences. And other people have, uh, uh, yeah, have dived into it as well. And uh, yeah, so if you're if you want to check this game out or you want to check out uh, some thoughts on this game, then definitely go to our forums and uh, yeah, read what people have to say and and maybe share your own experiences as well because. Well, we really appreciate these uh, these posts because we use them as input for our podcast. So, um, well, that's also the reason why why Matthew is here. Uh, you know, he 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 posted about Duke Nukem, and well, that's why we invited him for the podcast. So, so this is how it works. So, yeah, really super appreciate it if you uh, if you use the forums. Uh, and Starflight, so far, it's it's a pretty interesting game, I think. Actually, uh, I had never heard of it before. It's really old. It's from uh, 1986, published by EA. Uh, it's a space RPG. It's really, well, it's basically Mass Effect, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I guess if if Binary Systems had made this game in 2004 or something like that, then it would have been Mass Effect, yes. Yeah, 
but yeah, it's from the eighties, so it's a bit. Well, that's that's actually what I like about it so far is that um, it's really old and it's so, and, and and it's really basic as a result from that. But the people who made it clearly didn't think of it as a really basic game. They, I mean, they they thought they were just yeah super ambitious and you know. This is not this is not Space Invaders or Pac-Man. This is a full giant game with a big universe to explore and aliens to meet and and planets to discover and so it's really ambitious and 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 yeah, that's that's what makes it really cool, I think. So, yeah, that's going that's what's going on now. So, uh yeah, if you want to be part of that, definitely go to our website dosgameclub.com and uh and check it out. Now, uh, next month, uh, May, we will be playing uh, Death Rally, uh, which was suggested by DOS Game Club member M2Tias. Yeah, it's also a, a 96 game, uh, just like Duke Nukem. And, and actually, uh, it's, uh, I think, released by the same publisher as Duke Nukem, which is uh, GT Interactive. And, and even more... Uh, in common with Duke Nukem is that, uh, well, Death Rally is a racing game, but it features multiple characters. And one of the characters is actually Duke Nukem. So, yeah, he's back. <laughs> he's back in May. <laughs> um, so that's what's going to happen uh, in the near future. Now, uh, we've also thought about June, haven't we, Florian? Uh, yes, um, we ran a poll on Twitter asking which um, vertical scrolling shoot 'em up we should play in June. Right. And we put four options there my all time favorite Raptor mm. and uh, everyone's favorite Tyrian. Is that how you pronounce it? Tyrian? Um, and I Xenon think? 2. I don't know. Uh, whatever. Just, just everyone imagine I pronounce it correctly yeah. now. <laughs> um, and Xenon 2 and Raiden. Hmm. And the results were pretty clear. And in the beginning, the first day, it looked like uh, Raptor would come out last, hmm. but it actually came out second yeah. with 29%. And apparently we're going to play Tyrion or Tyrion, whatever, with 36% of the popular vote. Yeah. Yeah, we wanted to play a vertical shooter um, because this is one of the genres we have not uh, covered. Um, we want to, you know, we, we play a different game every month. Um, but we don't want to go through the same genres or, or types of games or, you know, it's, it's nice to, uh, sometimes have a big blockbuster and then have, uh, something really obscure and then have something really new and have something old, well, new, I mean, in those terms, <laughs> not, not actually new, but, um, yeah, we never had a vertical shooter before and there's tons of these games and they're really, it's really a popular genre. So uh yeah we uh, we thought we should play one and uh, you guys selected Tyrion. So yeah really looking forward uh, to that in June. So yeah that's the plan. This this was Duke Starflight is going on right now and in the near future we'll be playing Death Rally and Tyrion. Um if you want to to uh be a part of this and and play games with us and share your experiences you can do so at the forums on dosgameclub.com. Uh, we also have a Twitter account at uh, DOS Game Club, is what, it's, is what it's called. Um, and last but not least, we have an uh, IRC chat room, which is uh, somewhat active, I would say. Um, it's, 
yeah, the channel is called DOS Game Club. It's on Afternet. But if if IRC is not really your thing, but you like to chat anyway, we have a super cool uh, web IRC client on our website as well. So, yeah, you can just use that and, and talk with us. Um, that's it, I think. Um, we've also fixed our iTunes stream. So that's cool. So, uh, yeah, if you're listening to this on iTunes, uh, it works now. <laughs> it worked before if you were on the iPhone app and not on your desktop. Yeah, exactly. We, we, we discovered there's a specific issue with the iTunes desktop software, but yeah, we managed to, to fix it. So, uh, good, good work, Florian, because you, uh, you put in all the work. Yeah. Well, you did the research and I so. was just, I, you know, I was just complaining that it didn't work. So right. that's, that's our <laughs> division of labor here. Um, yeah. So if you do listen on iTunes or, or Stitcher or any of these podcasting apps, uh, we really appreciate it if you uh, rate our show because it really helps uh, to get new listeners in and, yeah, spread the word. Um, yeah, and thanks for listening and, and thanks for being here, guys. So uh, that's it for me, I think. Yep. Bye. Uh, yep. <laughs> what? Thank you very much for uh, <laughs> uh, for listening and uh, asking me to attend, guys. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I, hope, I hope you'll be back. Uh, for for future episodes, if you uh, if you could join us again, that would be great. All right. Well, Tyrion has a special place in my heart, so we'll see what we can do. Maybe. Ah. Well. Well. There you go. Okay. <laughs> well. Uh, thanks a lot, and uh, see you later. Bye. 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 Ha <laughs> ha.